Mike. And that's Toya. And this that's is Tech Peace and Bites. What's up? What's up? Did you enjoy your weekend? I did. Did you enjoy your birthday weekend? I did until the last day when them bugs tore me up out there. <laughs> <laughs> Had a great time. That's good. Horseback riding. Uh-oh, who's getting in touch with nature? A whole bunch of beer. Oh, when we went uh, canoeing, right? Uh-huh. Saw an alligator. That was the end of nature. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wrap. <laughs> you were supposed to keep going. Nah, bro. Mm-mm. I, I'll eat gator, but I ain't hunting it. So that was, <laughs> that was it. So it was good until that part. Oh, that's good. <laughs> What'd you do? A little bit of everything. We, um... Hung out, drank a little bit, did, did some sun, worked <laughs> <Everybody laughs> on some stuff. It was, you know, typical Memorial Day weekend. I did not go to the beach. That's what I did not do. No South Beach for me. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about dinner. that too. But I did go to um, Kiva's Cane, like, what day was that? Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. So okay. That's, that was my beach action. That was that. So a lot of situations going on. Hold on, we got to fix our mics. Get new cables, and we're back. Yes, all right, we're good. All right, sounds like we're back. All right, so we got a lot to discuss, so I'm just letting you all know right now this is gonna be a, a long, a long ride. <laughs> But Don't make it sound like it's painful. It's just it's so. Be a good it, ride, it, I mean, it's about to be a lot. We just got to catch up. So let's go ahead and get into the Wolf Blitzer breaking news. Um, uh oh. If we had confidence, the president clearly did not commit a crime. We would have said so. Robert Mueller, uh, previous special counsel, as he resigned today. So. I just want to get some things clear. We just want to get something out there. First of all, how did you feel about that? When you I, Did you watch it? Did you get to see it? Because I know you were on radio at that nah, time, too. I didn't get a chance to see it. Okay. First of all, it was just chilling. It was great to hear him say those things. But so constitutionally, Robert Mueller did not have the power or the evidence to mm. indict him. Okay. So basically, even so, he made a statement about how if even if he had it, there's no justification or it's not fair because you can't defend yourself because there's not a persecution, there's not a place of court to be able to do that. Right. Um, so now Nadler um, says Mueller showed Trump lies, vows Congress will act. Nadler stated that Mueller was clearly demonstrated that President Trump is lying about the special counsel's findings. Mm-hmm. So Fox News had to watch Fox News because I wanted to get a different perspective. <laughs> I know, right? Did you really? I had to because this is the thing. You got to know what other people are saying on the other side. Yeah. Especially after we did the finding. I haven't touched it. Hold on, y'all. Hold on, y'all. We'll have some hope next time. You got right? Turn your mic around. Okay. Test. We good? Better. Yes. Okay. All right, so basically they're saying the orchestrated efforts were conducted with the president in mind. One person did say that the president did commit crimes, but simply they cannot charge him. Um, 
And then so Tom Preece stated that he did not totally disagree with the attorney general declaring him innocent was an option, but they did not take that opportunity because mm-hmm. you're not going to claim somebody innocent when you know they're not innocent. And the clearly the ball is in the court of Congress. So the feedback has been kind of fair so far from Fox News. Andrew McCarthy stated that Mueller gave Democrats a lot of running room that he couldn't he couldn't drop any more notes brighter than what he did. And it's up to Congress to impeach at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's also for the Democrats to handle. They can argue the prosecutors could have charged him, but if it wasn't for the rules and guidelines of the OLC. Also, that Barr lied publicly and stating that the OLC did not affect the decision of Robert Mueller, which he clearly stated that's exactly why he made the decisions he did. The facts are they are confirming obstruction. This is just my opinion, by the way. He can now be subpoenaed by the House since he will be a citizen. So we're talking about Robert Mueller could end up being subpoenaed to come back and testify. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet he still has obligations to classify information into what he can and cannot speak on. So now Agent Orange, after all this information has come out, is still stating that he's innocent since he was not found guilty. Just insufficient evidence, but this does not clear him of collusion because... I'm pretty sure it's not that easy to get evidence from Russia. Trump made a statement. He could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and still not get convicted. I think this is his shooting. This is his murder scene. And he's just proving his point. Yeah. And about the Democrats it being in their court. I feel like the Democrats are like the parent that keep threatening to spank and they really not going to do it. Oh, I'm going to spank you. But then that never happens. I doubt they pull the trigger like on impeachment. I, I just think it's empty threats at this point. Um, we know that the Democrats like to kind of pull to the center, right? They they want to kind of be loved by everybody. Yeah. And they have not, they're not good at the comeback. They're not the comeback kid. They're not swift with it, quick with it. Um, so, yeah, 2020 election. <laughs> That's where we got to play our part. Truthfully, this is the thing for me now. I don't really care about the feedback we get from Democrats. I want to hear from some Republicans. So Republicans, you're in a position now where all these comments have been made and all these things have been stated. How do you feel? Because I mean, at some point you got to wake up. Because remember, your last impeachment was over Becky. This is a whole different thing. You're talking about a man colluding. You're talking about, oh, besides the fact that Mueller stated that the Russians hacked into our system and clearly did something to award one presidential candidate while damaging the other one. I don't know how much clearer this conversation needs to be before we start worrying about, I would say, not even just what's going on, but national security, the democracy of our country, the things that supposedly made us great because we're definitely not becoming great again because a lot of stuff that we're going through, it seems like we're going right back to the beginning of time. Um, might as well be 1865 all over again. <laughs> so I don't know, Latoya. I, I have hope, but... For what? The 2020 election? Yeah, and for the elections. Turnout? I do. I do think we're going to turn out. I mean, although we got to talk about voters, it's just so much that happened, man. <laughs> you know, I wonder how Bill Maher and all these other people feel when they take a break because... You got to decompress for all this stuff you got to take in. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But to with a 24-hour news cycle, they just like to repeat the same breaking headlines all day. So they don't I don't see a lot of diversity and content when it comes to the news, but 
it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. If he ends up being subpoenaed and brought back in to testify, that may be more helpful to the case of impeachment because then he can speak as a citizen, right? And not from that position that he was in. So time will tell what happens. It may just become campaign fodder for those who are running for president, all of those candidates on the Democrat side. I don't know. Yeah, won't, won't. Look, Auntie, uh, what's, what's her name? Maxine? No, nah, Pelosi. Oh. The other auntie. You gotta get it together, my mom. You've been in there for a while. Go ahead and get this impeachment. And to the Republicans, I mean, y'all already messing up. Man, you know what? We're just going to get into because it's so much. But still in the tech world. So that was our breaking news in tech. Um, we talked a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, should I mm-hmm. say, about Adobe trying to sue us for not wanting to upgrade our equipment. <laughs> so <laughs> now it's Canva versus Adobe. Canva value has soared to $3.6 billion after big investors tip in. Um, I didn't know this, but I didn't even know they were an Australian tech company. Me either. Um, so an Italian tech company, Canva, has uh, banked uh, 70 million from investors, including from U.S. venture capital general analysts, in a deal that values the design company at 2.5 billion, or 3.6 billion, where they're at. So they always had a vision for an online and publishing platform. Um, obviously, a lot of social media people that don't want to pay graphic designers anymore <laughs> use this platform. Canva, I gotta start giving people the other facts. I just want them to see. <laughs> you know it's true. Um, Canva's success with 15 million monthly active active users worldwide has slipped that script. Flip the script. I'm sorry. So Canva has re- reported a profit for 1.8 million. Um, and Ms. Perkins, which is the owner, said the profitability had continued, but media reports of turnover of $130 million were just speculation. So that's not happening. So I want to know from you, Toya, how do you think this affects graphic designers? Since now everybody can just go pull a template and design everything directly online without even having to steal a code to be able to get into <laughs> Adobe products. I think it's... Um so it's good for startups, I will say, if, or smaller companies, right? I will say that on Canva, you don't necessarily get the same level of expertise, right? Because you're doing it yourself. <laughs> so there is something that comes with working with a graphic designer, especially when you're trying to maintain consistency with your brand across People don't even understand everything. brand no more. Uh, there's, you know, Canva's great for quick things, I think that there's still space for both. You still want to have a graphic designer who is sort of like helping you to maintain your brand. Yes, you can maybe use Canva for certain things, but at the end of the day, there's a level of craftsmanship that comes with graphic design, and we don't need to get away from that, right? I think that's what you've kind of seen happen, especially when you talk about the trajectory of websites right back in the day adobe flash and creativity like oh, ruled websites remember it was them like, adobe flash invitations that people used to send out via right. email it was all about hiding easter eggs and websites and the creativity was like the thing and then it got watered down with wordpress and now every website pretty much is based on a template and every website looks just about the same and now it's about the content and that's almost where we're kind of at when it comes to graphic design because you have so many people looking to start something on social media and Canva allows that, which is great. But then what about the artistry? Mm. I can't tell you. 
<laughs> How you feel as a graphic designer? Everybody need to quit being cheap because it just ain't going <laughs> to pop off the way. I think it's good for some people that's doing social media stuff that actually don't have a consistent brand, like the basis of somebody like an influencer. Right. Where they don't have a specific font or specific logo, and you do need to create graphics. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it's good, but for the impact of social media design marketing, I think it's a great tool to use. But I don't want people to start thinking they're high-end you know, collateral material brand development is going to be able to be accomplished through Canva. So I have to look at things from an unbiased opinion, especially since now we have a little talk show. So as a graphic designer, mm -hmm. we've already seen the value of graphic design, not even from the software, but from designers themselves using platforms like Fiverr, where logos that could be worth a thousand and ten thousand dollars are being done for two hundred and fifty dollars. Um, which if is why that. a lot of brands look, yeah, some of them are actually being done for $5, mm -hmm. um, which is why to me, a lot of brands look washed and they are starting to look the same because people aren't putting that creative element into it. And you're not doing research color theory. You're not putting anything to it that says this mark is going to be iconic because the clients themselves don't care. So if the clients have a watered down approach, an agency, you know, I would say it's like this. It's almost like giving that one friend relationship advice. Like you keep going to the bad relationship and you try to help them get out, but they keep going back to the bad mm -hmm. relationship. No matter what you say at that point, it's not going to make an impact because their goal is to be cheap and to execute in the most effective way and effective only being the basis of value, not the quality of the product that they're pushing out. Yeah. Um, logos can take weeks and months, especially to hit the right thing. We've been working on something and we went through three different renditions and all of that happened within my head until I saw something where I felt, Hey, this is something that can go on a t-shirt, a hat. This is something if somebody right. sees it from the street, they're going to know exactly what it is. Right. So let's go ahead and toast. What are we drinking today? The finish of the ginger. Oh, this is the finish of the summer ginger beer. Is my mic still working? Because I just bumped it. Cheers to summer, y'all. I need to come get some beer. I'm going to do a brisket this weekend. <laughs> Always about a barbecue. We talk about food almost every show. We do. Food matters. No, it does. It does. We need food. Uh, so, this was kind of funny to me. Mm -hmm. But for the gram professionally. So, a company down in Miami. Got to get people in Miami a good thing of being uh, creative. And I want to say making the best out of, uh, I guess that would be social media and mm -hmm. tourism. So, Shoot My Travel, a global marketplace connecting travelers with on-demand professional photographers, has raised $1.1 million in venture capital. So, who's going to be betting big on a Miami-based travel tech startup? Now, Shoot My Travel already serves 450 cities and 80 countries and counting. Through the website or app, users can connect with more than 1,000 vetted pro photographers from around the world for travel photos through the lens of a local Mm-hmm. So the part that I didn't grasp, are they great photos? Are they vetted to be almost like local tourism? Because if it's not the local tourism aspect, they left a wide gap, and I'm, I'm going to need to get some people and start together another company. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is a great idea, but if it's not the local tourism, so it's like the difference between getting a tour guide or getting a visa and you end up going to South Beach versus mm -hmm. someone that's going to take you to Coconut Grove. Uh, uh, yeah. Little Haiti and Wynwood. Yeah. Like, because really, do I still need a professional photographer that's going to be shooting at 
large megabytes just to have it converted down to a kilobyte photo that I'm posting on Instagram? So there's that iconic photo that was floating around Instagram of a beautiful melanated queen in a yellow dress and Santorini Greece standing on top of like a white building with the blue um, dome shaped ceiling, right? And so her son, her dress is like waving in the wind. Come to find out the photographer is, he does that same sort of like scene for other tourists. So you could book him and you could rent dresses from him for the shoot. So this idea of getting a professional photo shoot on your trip is something that's happening. So I'm wondering if he's on the app. I don't know. I didn't necessarily look into it, but I saw it because someone tagged him in the photo. And then when I clicked on his profile, his whole page had like people and couples and families in that same area of Santorini, Greece, mm. doing different things. And then there were other women doing single shots in beautiful flowy dresses that are caught by the wind and just creating this epic shot. But then it's almost like, how unique is it? It's almost like people who do like the baby photos and Instagram packages and all that kind of stuff. Because if you're shooting the same thing, then my photo shoot isn't really unique to me. I'm just a package in so I have what you're a, presenting. If he hasn't done the local tourism thing, I think we have an opportunity. <laughs> just letting you know, look for a new startup coming out of digital grass. That's number one. <laughs> number two, doesn't this just kind of tap more into the falsifying of a lifestyle that you really don't have when you're paying for a professional photographer, but you probably just missed the payment or a car payment or insurance payment or something? <laughs> like, is this the best way for people to be spending their money? And does it take away from the authenticity of the moment? I mean, I can say that, yeah, Jay-Z and Beyonce are adjusted to having photographers around them. Kodak Lens, and I forgot the young lady name. They got like two of the best photographers out there mm -hmm. that document their <laughs> travels and they document the, uh, the concerts. And right. some of those photos are just amazing. Now, I also, we talked about this earlier today, is that like me and David were saying, mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity if you're gonna get back into the fine arts and you're gonna do some large format printing. But if you're doing this just to post stuff on Instagram, is it really worth it? Now, granted, when we was on the horse, the shot wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> That's why you should have had you a local professional photographer on site to get that shot. But the history, and that's the only reason why I'm thinking about this, are they local tour guys also? Because the history that mm -hmm. I was able to get from the person that took the photo <clears throat> made the photo look great anyways. I wasn't as worried about the photo, right, but what right. I learned was valuable. Most likely, I'm going to say they're just photographers that you can book in so, the cities. They're, so do you they think may we should start another business? tied into the city hey give it a shot <laughs> see what happens i don't i don't know how easy it'll be to find someone who is a tour guide and a great photographer that may be something that you got to train people on i think we just know need a great photographer and just give them notes of the history right, that's what i said you got to train them on it you got to get them ready to be a tour guide so they know a little bit more about the city and different places to go um but it could definitely be a good option all right i mean take a but, tour and get some pro shots on the way but people, you know what? This is what I'm going to say. Quit taking photos just for other people. Enjoy the moment. Like, life is about experiences. Nobody really cares. <laughs> <laughs> people care. No, what I'm going to say is we were having a conversation about that, and I was thinking about that last night, about how many photos I have on, like, old phones that are just sitting on old phones and they're doing absolutely nothing. 
and we're at a point where we're shooting so many photos, but then the phone get lost, you don't download it, back it up, then what happens to your photos? Like, going back to your point about savoring the moment. And you can't remember nothing because you were so worried about the <laughs> angles the you photo. were taking. <laughs> right. right, so I think that we have to kind of like create a balance again with the photo taking and then actually doing something with the photos. I mean, some of these Instagram models got angles on lock. Oh, absolutely. Somebody Listen. take a straight up shot of y'all and y'all not coming at that 75 degree angle overhead to make it look like y'all chin all slim. <laughs> y'all look totally different. <laughs> no angles be serious. Them angles be something. It's like, oh, look at her chin. Oh, look at her chin. Um, I'm just saying. So great idea, Miami. Uh, we have found out from one of our associate producers, Miss Daniel, mm-hmm. um, you can also book locals for other things, including history tours through Airbnb now. Oh, good. That's exciting. And um, the Greek photographer that you were talking about yes. can be booked through Airbnb for an Airbnb experience. So Airbnb has already beat us to the punch, it seems like. But I think we can combat that. <laughs> Just do another one, listen. Absolutely. It's always space for right. double. Apple shows that it's not about who's first to market. Oh, speaking of Apple, allow me to reintroduce <laughs> myself. I am iPod still. So Apple has announced that they have an updated version of the iPod Touch. The new Touch will include an A10 Fusion chip, which is the same processor that current that is currently on the iPhone 7, along with now 250 gigabyte storage option. Kind of exciting there. This is the first update to the Touch since the sixth generation was released in 2015. They have put the Touch on the shelf yes. like you sit down. Dante is very excited about this. Uh, that because this is for the old. It's so funny now. Old school is people that illegally download music and put it on a hard drive because <laughs> we don't want to stream. That's our album collection. Our album collection is downloading. I music. still got my original iPod. I, I got three of them. Um, the, and they get well. Actually, now I'm using my old iPhone as an iPod Touch, pretty much. So the A10 chip provides enough strength for group FaceTime. Nobody does that, anyways. Apple's AR kit, augmented reality apps, which is kind of cool for augmented reality. I definitely think the NBA and NCAA should have courtside virtual reality seats where you can watch a game from somebody that was sitting courtside. Yeah, I think that needs to be better implementation of AR, like to make it practical. Have a whole nother, I think that's going to be a discussion we should have and bring Magic League about. Like, what are the practical things people really want virtual reality for besides porn? Um, <laughs> And as well as Apple's arcade game subscribing kit. So the cost will be $199 up to $400, which is not a bad price. Now, this is my question to Apple. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, to the people out there in the audience that are watching, are you tempted or do you even care that iPod Touch is coming out with iTunes Music where most people have a subscription service and don't care to download music anyways? So only reason why I would be interested is so I can get one for Takari. So you can get off my phone. Because, <laughs> you know, be messing with the tablets too much. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I got. <laughs> so I think it's good for a lot of, all the most independent artists can, they make their way. I still think it's good for certain mixtapes and certain things you download. Mm-hmm. And for me, there's still music that I convert over um, every once in a while. So I think, but for 256 gigabytes, that's, two iPods and one, two of the biggest iPods you could have mm-hmm. got back in the day. Yeah. So for $400, that's canceling a couple of dining out with the missus. <laughs> <laughs> Staying home one weekend from drinking. So I think I might get one. 
So, but I am curious though. <laughs> to use it for what? Just to have to for music storage? Well, I mean, the cameras are so great. I might as well become an Instagram model and start taking photos <laughs> oh, and posting them to Instagram. Y'all ain't ready. <laughs> y'all ain't ready. You got to document all my workouts and stuff. Might as well use it to put some music in the background of Uh-oh. my work. First of all, I got it. Fitness influencer in the making. I got to go ahead and address this. So yesterday, Latoya, I'm uh-huh. at the gym. Yes. And this dude is having a full-blown conversation standing right by the machine I need to use. So as the missus points out, my arms are kind of big and blah, blah, blah. So the dude looks at me and then he looks at my arm. He's like, yeah, I'm, I was like, you're not using that. You come back when you get off the phone. <laughs> so <laughs> my thing is, hey, dudes, if y'all don't have internet at home and y'all looking for that service so y'all can watch the NBA finals and other shows while you're at the gym, step away for the equipment. I got other stuff to do. I have cable at home. I did not come to the gym to socialize. And you puny anyways. I hate to have to bust you over here with <laughs> one of them weights. So, that was way off. <laughs> way off. But Go I'm ahead. just wondering, if iTunes can allow this device to be so cheap, why in the hell do I... Is that one little extra trip for cell <laughs> phone service phone? <laughs> that much? Like, whatever little extra chip that Apple is adding to make Listen. it a mobile device, why can't... I think that... I'm thinking that chip. <laughs> that y'all getting from Africa? I'm thinking that chip probably made of run, vibranium. Yeah, it, it run by best at like 199. I'm thinking y'all overcharging for these iPhones. Oh uh, uh, yeah, especially since they really haven't changed in years. Like it's staying the same. Innovation, y'all. Where it's at? None. Look. So in the name of tech, charity, or taxes. So this is one of the ones we'll condense down since we were talking about condensing. Mm-hmm. So Mackenzie got $35 billion in her divorce, and now she's making a pledge to donate Mackenzie the Mackenzie used to be married to Jeff Bezos. That Mackenzie. Are you donating it because of that luxury tax you got hit with? Or I, I know she's been into philanthropy before. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pledge thing was given by Bill and Melinda Gates. And for those who don't know, signing the pledge, the wealthy benefactors promise to give away more than half of their assets either during their life or after their death and i'm pretty sure once you make that commitment it comes with some kind of tax break so i don't know how i feel about this but it was mentioned and it was brought to my attention so i don't know what you think yeah no well for one it's great that she's holding true to her word she signed a pledge like it'll be shady to be like bye y'all i done cashed out i'm not holding up my end of the bargain even though i signed it but she signed a pledge after she got the divorce money she ain't oh. signed that pledge before. Well, you ain't say that exactly so i wanted to see that was that was a lead in in her divorce she has now signed this pledge ah uh, i thought it was something that they did beforehand and nope. now that she got the money she's like okay i can donate my portion now oh well listen as AP Daniel said she saw that 2019 tax estimate and they had to figure out a strategy of how to get rid of that money. (laughs) Just imagine, but I'm just going to say Jeff hooked her up and she had like a billion Mm -hmm. somewhere in some accounts. And then you get hit and now you got 34 more billion. You know what those taxes look like on $34 billion? None of us do, because none of us have ever seen a billion. Like, but I can just imagine. She was like, "Ooh, I need to do something." Listen, Amazon is is known for not paying taxes, right? So, but that's the difference. He owns the company. It's a lot easier to wash money through LLCs and different things versus 
you're getting 35 billion to your personal account. Right. Corporate taxes versus personal taxes. Different story. Especially once we get into the part of talking about how great Donald Trump's tax plan worked out. Mm. So still won't release them <laughs> ever. Um, another good note for the tech world, the association black tech week in Miami, which is our favorites, Felicia and Derek and the black tech Mecca in Chicago has announced the launch of their collaborative association to help the black ecosystem leaders build under their expertise. Details about the association or requirements for inclusion have yet been released, but both organizations have been deeply influential in providing analysis of black tech ecosystems and assets within their uh, respective communities. Mm -hmm. Ideally, the association will provide guidance and access to capital for those building identities for black and brown founders. I think this That's is a great up. thing. Can't wait to see the details. I just want to make sure that you guys allow L. David Stewart to do the soundtrack because I'm thinking if you're going to come out with something called the association, it got to come with a theme song. It, it just has theme song. We need an all black vibranium card for membership. Not a vibranium. <laughs> <laughs> we just, if you're going to do it, just do it right. We wish, we know they're going to handle it, but it needs to be, it has to be a board, a committee, advisory board. This is a great opportunity, and the collaboration that's happening is yeah, the thing. That's exciting. Miami mm -hmm. to Chicago. Speaking of the governments and bringing things together, we got your city on lock, and not in a good way. The city of Baltimore, which is graciously known for the wire, is under attack, but not by somebody with guns or bombs. So, Baltimore, criminals didn't do this to you. Well, the criminals you normally like to attack. Two weeks ago, cyber criminals used ransomware, also known as Robinhood, to seize control of about 10,000 of the city's computers, saying they will not relinquish use of Baltimore's hands over about $100,000 worth of Bitcoin, which today would have been worth about $102,000 with the slow increase of Bitcoin coming back. I know some of y'all still hurting over that loss. Should have cashed out in December. Um, <laughs> In 2017, but this is a funny part. The NSA lost control of Internal Blue, which is the software. Now, understand this. The NSA lost control of the software that these hackers use to put ransom onto the city. Shows you how fast cities keep up. After it was leaked by a hacking group called Shadow Brokers, the tool has been used around the world, including attacks against Ukrainian banks and infrastructure in June 17. Now, one thing I want to point out is if you look down in here, there's a whole mm -hmm. bunch of Apple equipment. This <laughs> ransomware specifically targets Windows products. A couple of things I don't understand. Why haven't more Windows developers gotten into develop uh, things for government to make their platforms more secure, which will go all the way back to a conversation two weeks ago talking about how apps have to go through Apple Store to get cleared and go right. under scrutiny. This is where those things matter. So me and Latoya was talking about this briefly before the show, and our conversation was about, we want even our conversations on this show to become more vertically integrated. So you guys understand some of the stuff we tell you that seems random really isn't random. They tie to something else. So once you take away the integrity of how Apple checks apps and platforms, it kind of becomes how Windows and yep. Google Play is where so much stuff goes through where when you use these platforms, they haven't went through the scrutiny of the security. So now you have a complete city that can't be used. They can't do basic things like paying for utilities and some of their functions that were all digital. So 
first of all, Baltimore is refusing to meet the ransom demand. I'm pretty sure from the basis of common sense, Baltimore, every week that you're doing this, you're probably coming close to the $100,000 they demanded. Now, I'm not saying you should pay, you shouldn't negotiate with terrorists, but you can't crack the ransomware. You're forced to largely go offline and this is showing the modern government's inability to actually keep up with technology. So you're like, not even a rock in a hard place. <laughs> you're just a computer being hacked and y'all don't have no antivirus or y'all don't have McAfee to come and save you. No recourse, that's crazy. So. All I want to say is to my father, I think we have a new industry we need to go to because to me, this is a great pitch to go to almost every city and explain to them why they need a cybersecurity or a uh, security operations center within their company or they need to have their systems outsourced to a security operations system, which ties back into another conversation from a month and a half ago discussing Florida Memorial University implementing more cybersecurity and building security operations centers. So... Right, and to think that, so Facebook, right? So Facebook has had security breaches. <laughs> Why wouldn't local governments think that the same thing could happen to them? And the fact that there is no real department or some sort of entity within local governments to help protect their data is a little insane given this era. Like, Mr. Robot, I mean, we've had, we hacking is a part of the culture. Why wouldn't government keep up? We know government websites suck, right? They've sucked for a very long time. <laughs> but that just shows. You're just not going to be kind about that, huh? <laughs> right, but that just, that again suck. just speaks to not keeping up with the rest of the marketplace. The same applies to you. That applies to Apple. That applies to IBM. You're not exempt. You are not exempt. Russia showed you that. Mm. Y'all are not exempt. Get with it. That's crazy. Baltimore. Wow. Give us a call. We got some companies that can help you out. Mm-hmm. Not now. Mm-hmm. Whatever y'all are in now, y'all are screwed. <laughs> right. <laughs> but just to make you sure. You got to figure that, that out. <laughs> so let's get into the beats. I got Wrangler on my booty. Uh, so look, that song. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> that song has been working for me. All right. I'm going to buy that album. Wait, did you buy some Wranglers? No. You can still buy them. I wear Levi. Mm. Wranglers too thin cut for guys with big thighs. It just don't work out. Got it. I ain't about to be around here with no tight jeans on. <laughs> you don't want the friction? No. <laughs> no no chafing. Um, and so, for the cowboy and country fans, just a little bit of facts I want to give you guys. Especially to the Republican cowboys. This information is for you. America's first cowboys came from, guess where? Mexico. <laughs> Look, man. Y'all need to quit hating on a culture that y'all don't even own. Y'all, yeah, I mean, y'all just culture vulturing and appropriating on everything. And <laughs> like, you get some, you get some, you get some. Look, we ain't say nothing when y'all came in a rap. Don't say nothing when we come back and take country music. So, of course, in California, the cattle business emerged with the settlement itself. But to the east, beginning in the 1500s, the uh, vaqueros, which is the Spanish term for cowboy, and for the music, vaqueros. vaqueros yeah, say it again. Vaqueros. Yeah, say it one more time. Vaqueros. Cowboys. Um, <laughs> and for the music industry, many of the fiddle tunes and the song styles come from the British Isles in the 1700s. Just another firm of islands for black people. Just like, you know, we, look, I just want to know this. If this was a Billy Ray Cyrus song in completion, 
same lyrics, same beat, but Lil Nas X never appeared on this track. Would y'all still be mad? All right, so so let's let's do some musical history. Right? So I know you talked about the fiddle tunes and all that stuff from the British Isles, but like American modern country music has its roots in black people. Like blues and everything else. Like there's a parallel between the music. So to act as if he is trying to culture vulture on something that his ancestors very well may have been creating and producing anyway. Like, stop it, y'all. Like, stop it. Stop. I, I just don't know what else to say. When I was, the, the whole thing about, you know, people pushing back on him and denying it being country music, if Eminem, BC Boys, if y'all don't have a seat, First of all, you don't even have to take it that far. I'm just saying. Let's just keep it 100. Everything that y'all do in country line dancing ain't nothing but another version of the electric slide. Bottom line. I can electric slide and add in some extra moves to do everything I see in the country line dance. Country line dancing ain't nothing but the electric slide with some added moves. In the discussion. I can take every country dance and do the exact same thing then before I let go and still be on beat. Challenge me. I want to challenge country line dancers to the steppers and the professional electric sliders. I bet you we can capture y'all moves before y'all capture ours. Bottom line, we're talking culture to culture. This ain't even got nothing to do with race. This is straight up culture. Even to all my black people that go to country line dancing, I bet you I can do everything you're doing with the electric slide and added moves. Like just hit your boots a couple of times. Pop, pop. That's it. Pow. Pow. It's just tapping at the heels. And y'all don't even want to get into Chicago stepping. <laughs> but I'm going to get, I, I will get some Wranglers though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let Lil Nas X be great. If they fit, I'm going to get some just to support this young man. And his project is dropping, I believe, in June. So. That will be one that I will be purchasing from Apple Music. Right, and what's the um, what's the country group Rascal Flats? One of them, so, and another group that mixes like country and hip hop or rap. I just like Alabama Shakes. That's Alabama one. Shakes, them yeah. too. Whatever. Listen, stop it. I mean, if you think about it, you slow down Drake and change the beat. It ain't nothing but country music with his whining so. <laughs> stuff. So, quick note with the music: Little Brother is back. We don't need to say anymore. Great music That's is on cool. a comeback. Little brother is back. So if I could sing, which I can't, but wait. Yeah, we heard that earlier. Shut up. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Hope your beer goes flat before the end. <laughs> it's all love, y'all. It's all love. <laughs> so Neo's former business manager has been sentenced for stealing millions from the singer, the New Jersey native. Hey, Alicia, look up and see if he's from your county, too. <laughs> um, Kevin R. Foster, 43, was convicted in Columbus, Ohio, on 16 criminal accounts, including wire fraud, money laundering, bankruptcy fraud, and tax evasion in Ohio last year. So this is just some of the stuff this crooked dude did. 
He convinced Neo to invest $2 million into a new sports drink company called OxyWater. First of all, Neo, you should have been cautious about the name. This is where Brandon versus <laughs> Canva versus working with a graphic designer comes into place. Without telling the singer that Foster was the CEO and the CFO of the company. He also took $1.5 million from Neo's bank account without the musician's knowledge. Foster opened up another $1.4 million line of credit by forging his signature. So Foster has used and stolen funds for Neo and one of my favorite singers, Brian McKnight, and others to purchase luxury items, which we will not list because that would be brand placement and free advertisement. So the judge slammed Foster with 89 months in prison in order to disgrace accountant to pay back $7.9 million in restitution to his victims. So this is just some quick advice because unless story, I mean, I actually like Neo in those last two albums. I think what he did more to storytelling have been really dope albums. Is there anything you want to say about this before I give my advice? Uh, mm, so basically, <laughs> I'm not a huge Neo fan, but you ain't like Year of a Gentleman. I mean, I, it's okay. Like I, I've never bought any of his music or streamed it or whatever. I'm not a huge Neo fan. Period. Okay. But um. Not to say that he's not talented. I just, you know, his dancing, he do the same two-step. I just I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that overall, we've seen this before, right? We've seen before where managers end up doing things with artists' money without their knowledge. And you almost have to think, like, how many times do the same people in the same industry have to keep learning the same lesson without doing something different or talking to the people that it happened to and then being like, what would you have done different so that I know what to do mm -hmm. next time in my situation? I feel like there needs to be some knowledge share within the industry, especially when you're talking about operations and business, because it's great to be an artist, but you got to make money. Like, this is what you do for a living. So you need to protect your coins. So you need to talk to other artists to figure out how they protect their coins, those who are successful and haven't had these issues. Um, that's one thing that I can say is that there definitely needs to be, y'all need to have a, a meetup and talk about it. Hash it out. Look, we do it all the time in the startup entrepreneur space. Y'all need to do the same. So this is going to be my advice. I rarely will just give somebody a plug and I'm just going to let you know now, this is not a paid advertisement. I was not told to say this. He probably won't even have recognition of it. And maybe he'll clip it. But if you are in the music industry, you should be watching free music, uh, free music TV, which is streamed on Facebook. And you should be talking to TJ Chapman. There's only so many people in the world that this brand digital grass trust. But one of those people is TJ Chapman, also known for TJ's DJs. Not only does he normally give out free information and drop gems, but what he did with B.O.B.'s career, what he's done as putting together DJ coalitions, knowing people in the industry, we know mentorship is lacking, not just in the tech industry, but mentorship is lacking in almost every industry. And you gotta learn what to look at and you gotta have one person that's holding the other person accountable. Uh, your accountant shouldn't have free reign without you having also a business manager that's overlooking what the accountant is doing. And you should have a personal advisor overlooking what the business manager is doing with the personal accountant. And then they should be checking each other and they should know each other and they shouldn't be friends. They should just have to work together. Uh, Nipsey Hussle kind of mentioned this and other people have. This is just no reason for these things to consistently happen. But 
If you are an artist in the music industry, besides listening to what music is breaking and what kind of music artists are making, I would advise you on Tuesdays and Thursdays to watch Free Music Review with TJ Chapman and Juan and just not only listen to the music, but normally somebody will say something stupid, which will prompt TJ to start dropping gems in the middle of the show. But anybody that's telling you that they can just make you a hit artist, normally out the gate they're lying like it's a movement but you gotta know the industry before you play the game and my right now i'm telling you i've tagged them uh if you go look at it i just posted it tj chapman follow him and don't just hit him up asking for i'm telling you if you're serious about it hire him as a paid consultant i don't even know if he's doing it i might be starting another business for him but i think he should be your paid consultant if you're in the music industry this should not be happening and for neo to be such a season seasoned vet this should have definitely not happened to him. Yeah. So TJ helps a lot of people for free, but I'm telling you, if you're serious about it, instead of going and buying you some new Jordans and the next Supreme shirt and spending whatever money on your little video, hire a consultant. This works in every industry. Even if it's just to get a difference of opinion that you may not agree with. Hire a consultant so you can have the knowledge of others to not make the same mistakes that others have already made before you. Absolutely. So speaking of the power of music and data, so I just found this fascinating. Sony Music is going to deliver real-time royalty data to artists and enable monthly cash withdrawal. So they have two things, real-time royalties, which allows them the ability for anywhere, anytime through Sony Music Artist Portal to see the updates of their global royalty earnings, which is a big deal, especially now with mm -hmm. streaming music, and also balance as soon as receive financial reporting from hundreds of digital distribution services on a monthly basis. So it eliminates the need for them to wait for the periodic money. So maybe you don't have to make as many stupid mistakes because you're waiting for that next check to come in. And also cash out allows artists to request a withdrawal of payable balance every month via the artist portal. No fees or charges are applied to using cash app. But this is the part that really caught my attention, Latoya. Mm -hmm. Sony's recorded music streaming revenues hit 2.5 billion in 12 months to end up in the end of March. That's up 15.2% year on year. The total label revenues, now listen to these numbers, basic math people. The total label revenues reached 3.85 billion. Streaming music is making up 66% of their money. Most of these platforms are free. Now, granted, we have Sony cameras we're filming this with. Mm -hmm. We believe in you really don't need a label as much right. as you need data. Right. There's a reason why they're making this portal. Collecting this data, exposing this data. I'm pretty sure Sony music is going to end up. And I haven't seen the portal yet because I'm not a recording artist, but I'll be willing to bet that portal is going to come up with a paid platform where you can pull data for specific marketing to Absolutely. allow you to do more shows and more concerts. Now, the sad part of this is we mentioned this 10 years ago with a little product called the ear card where artists would have been allowing people to download directly from their own portal and you would collect data of who your users are because sometimes your biggest fans may not be in a big metropolitan city where you normally would go to do a concert. Some of these smaller cities have nothing to do and they will save up for months to see some of their favorite artists. Just something to consider. Yeah, and I'm sure Sony is gonna have an option for brands and companies 
to download data and buy reports about their artists and their recordings, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's awesome to have that real-time information because that really allows you to tap into the pulse of your business, your listeners, and where your money's kind of flowing, which could also help inform artists who may not have necessarily been on top of their coin before to be on top of their coin. So that way they could check people who may be mishandling their money. So that way it just, you know, that's one of the things that has been the story of artists, especially when you talk about black artists, you watch Unsung or any of the documentaries, it all kind of comes back to artists being in the dark and not really knowing and having visibility into the their cash flow and their sales and where the money is kind of going. If you have the raw data, you can have a better understanding, even if you don't necessarily know the percentages and how everything break out. You can kind of figure it out yourself mm -hmm. to be able to say, wait a minute, I think I'm missing something. How you, what you got and what I got? Okay, let's talk about that, let's hash that out. So I think it's dope. I think that's really going back to empowering artists, which is what, the digital media has been and has enabled them to do. And I think it's just a great way, like I said, use the data, use the data, understand data. If you are serious about being a artist in 2019 and beyond, and you don't have a data analysis or you're not working with a company like Data Cash out in California, if you're not understanding the value of you as a brand and as an artist and what you attract, you're really missing what music has become. And there's certain things that are just inevitable. This is what the music has become because we don't have a lot of mint condition and bands that have pure raw talent where they're playing instruments. It's a performance thing, producers and samples. Music creation pretty much stopped for us. And what I see is like 1888, um, 1998, I'll give you that. But it's just, there's not a lot of bands anymore. It's just a lot of people making beats and people performing on top of them, mm -mm. which means data is going to be everything because when we was in the cabin streaming with Spotify, because it's the only service we could really get out there, but <laughs> a lot of this shit is really starting to sound the same. Oh, yeah. Ben sounding the same. So if everything sounds the same. Can't tell who's who. Is that little, little who? Right. When what everything else? sounds the same, Data is going to be like the DNA to music. This is the only way you're going to be able to differentiate yourself is data. So if you're a recording artist and you're not focusing on data, you really don't care about your career. Um, a good shout out to the possibility of keeping things in flat. Netflix is canceling Georgia versus people canceling their Netflix account because of that $2 increase. I really do want to have a conversation with some people that canceled Netflix because the price went up for $3. What is your budget really like worth $36? could make you cancel a whole service. Right. <laughs> $36. Just wanted to put that out there. But Netflix has become the first major Hollywood studio to pledge to fight Georgia's abortion bill. The chief content officer, Ted Sarandos, issued a statement to Variety, which is uh, by protesting the bill and pledging action against it. This is his comment, and I quote, we have many women working on productions in Georgia whose rights, along with millions of others, will be severely restricted by this law. It's why we will work with ACLU and others to fight it in court. The statement read, given the legislation has not been implemented, we'll continue to film there while also supporting partners and artists who choose not to. Should it ever come into effect, we rethink our investment in Georgia. So it's kind of weird for me to see people going against women's rights since everybody was just cheering for the Me Too movement and everything else. So when people are now, the as we call it, the selective rage, but 
I'm kind of torn. This is why I'm torn. Okay. Netflix and the industry, the film industry has done so much for Georgia. Florida is not in a position to offer the tax benefits that Georgia is offering, but it's done so much for the the black community in Atlanta. And Mm -hmm. I'm torn that if Georgia can't get it together, and if Netflix doesn't bring everything to Florida or if all these other production studios don't bring it everything to Florida, I'm just worried how it's going to affect a lot of the economy because I believe that Netflix's economy is growing. But I mean, Georgia's economy is growing because of the film industry. No, absolutely. But I think that that's why they did it is to apply that pressure to be like, wait a minute, legislation, all of y'all legislators. You seriously want to do this? Like, let's rethink this. Do you think they care, though? Do you think do well, you think there's talks. enough money in the film industry to get Republicans to change it? those 25 men? Is money there talks. enough? But if their money talks, but if their money is not invested there, and you're still getting paid off by lobbyists. Do you really care? If so, there may need to be a, a comprehensive Who's plan in terms of how to sort of implement the process. Because if they're doing a true campaign, right, so not just applying pressure on the corporate level, but then they also have representatives or people who they're encouraging people to write their legislators and really sort of put the pressure from the people, it needs to be a comprehensive plan if they really want to see the change. Because if, who knows what these legislators think, but if Netflix pulling out isn't enough to start to rethink it, then you need to have it come from the bottom up too. It needs to be both ways. So speaking of exploitations, which are we changing? Who's Mike? Hold on, guys. We're going to change the mic real quick. But while we're changing that mic, uh, let's talk about the end of black exploitation. So what we have going on right now is the historic basketball league. Um, it's the first college basketball league to compensate and educate its players based on their market value. The Historic Basketball League made an appearance in Forbes magazine in an interview where Andre Iguodala, after mm-hmm. retirement uh, by his former teammate David West, who's become the chief operating officer of the Historic Basketball League. So speaking on the Historic Basketball League, and actually I want to real quick, just before while it's still fresh, just want everybody to know Georgia's film industry gener- generates $9.5 billion of economic impact, and that was in 2017. Listen, it's no small thing. That's $9.5 billion. So I don't know about them coins, and I don't think, uh, what's her name, Mackenzie, whatever her name is, I don't think she donated her half to Georgia. So y'all might want to be, be weary of who y'all voting for. But um, so basically, the Historical Basketball League is addressing... Toy, do you remember? I know Dante will remember. Do you remember uh-huh. when I wrote the article, I wrote my little op-ed about how we could change the NCAA football if the top 100 prospects for the next four to five years all went to HBCUs? Uh-huh. Yep. So this is kind of taking that approach. Um, so as we know, amateurism is a con, and it's a way to basically not compensate players that are making billions of dollars for universities. Yep. Uh, the reason why this is a problem is because normally 80% of your talent that goes into these top five divisions in NCAA, they come from impoverished conditions. Right. So understand you're coming in poor. 
with only a 2% chance of making it to a league to become rich. And nine times out of 10, leaving poor and without an education. Because mm-hmm. the NCAA still hasn't put into place that as long as you actually play sports for us and you have a scholarship, you should be able to attend our college as long as it takes for you to actually obtain a degree since we've profited off of your slavery. Um, <laughs> the HBL aims to change the landscape of collegiate athletics by disrupting the amateurism model and offering a legitimately superior alternative. They aim to improve economic outlook of their athletes, the majority of whom are likely to be minorities. Not that hard to realize that, just watch March Madness. Over 50% of players in the Power Five conferences come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. The HBL enables their athletes to directly benefit from their talent and labor and create greater economic freedom and comfort for them and their families. 98% of men's college basketball players do not reach the NBA. The HBL will encourage its athletes to make the most of the professional opportunities they generate while playing college basketball. The HBL will treat individual athletes as single-member LLCs. In other words, they will assist them with building a personal and professional brand that would extend on and off the court so that each can build their business without waiting for a mythical payday that may never come. Right. So... This is offering them professional practices on and off the court, basketball-related income, collective bargaining agreements, marketing self versus the NBA marketing, being able to read contracts and career outcome. I'm going to post this site, which is the www.hblhbleague.com. So I was able to talk to Mika, who works for um, Google. Okay. And he sent this information to me, and we had a two-hour conversation last night. Mm-hmm. He's a Google engineer, mm-hmm. doing great things over there. But I just thought this was very interesting and very needed because I feel this is probably just going to be the tip of the iceberg. Because there's, I would say they could focus on doing this in every sport but football, because football is just an expensive sport between liabilities, equipment, and everything else. No, but I think they need to do it in football too because if those athletes get hurt in college. Mm-hmm. Then, then what, right? And when you talk about college athletes, a lot of times academics come second, especially if they're starters. So making sure that they are able to capitalize on their college years because it, during college they're stars and they may not be professional stars, but they're still collegiate stars. So there should be some level of compensation. And this conversation has been something that has plagued the NCAA for a very long time. And athletes are starting to become a lot more vocal. So it's great to see a solution coming on board that will provide this for the basketball players. But like you said, I think it should apply to all the sports, including football, because football, just because of injuries, like that's pretty major. Because if someone gets injured, even same thing with basketball, but injuries are just more prone in football, they need to be able to reap some sort of benefits, even if it's, yes, you graduated with a degree, but we already know that a college degree does not guarantee you a job. You may end up having to work two jobs that you would not even need a college degree for just to sort of make ends meet. Absolutely. So the college degree is just as like as if you just graduated from high school. And you gotta understand right now, there's a reason for the layoffs and the delays of what's happening at ESPN. ESPN took a big gamble and spent a lot of money on contractual agreements with NFL, which you have this new generation of millenniums and fans that aren't as dedicated to football as the previous generation. So NFL right now is losing money with the NFL games that are playing on their stations. 
people just aren't watching sports like that. Yeah. And then, too, when you think about it, a lot of athletes are getting smarter with their money and they're not basing their entire like life on playing pro sports at all. They get in, they get out and they're like, deuces, I'm about to go over here and do some real estate. I'm about to open up a business. And that's fantastic to be enterprising. And the way LeBron plays the league, the league is like this. (laughs) <laughs> the puppet. The league is the puppet, and he is the master. So to see people taking on that agency, right, understanding their power, leveraging their influence to make the best deals for themselves is huge. And I like what the um, HBO will be doing in terms of educating the players to be better professionals, to know how to navigate the legal, the legalese that will come in to play with their contracts. So that's awesome. So. We just want to give them a shout out and we will be doing everything we can to support them. Hopefully we will have some stuff in place where we can even possibly invest. But now we get into the tail end. And like I said, guys, we're sorry. This is a longer show, but it was a lot to cover. Um, Another one. Another one. DJ oh, Khaled. DJ Khaled. <laughs> a lie that is. It's now official that Trump's tax plan was horrible. Bottom line. Surprised. Horrible, 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 horrible. But I'm just going to read you about five key points. It didn't spur economic growth. The growth effects tend to saw a relatively small, if any, first year effect on the on the economy. It didn't raise wages. The will the real wage wage rates for production and non-supervised workers grew only one point two percent. It didn't cause corporations to bring money home. The data does not appear to show a significant increase in investment flows from abroad. It saved corporations a boatload of money. Corporate revenues were about 40 billion less than projected. Corporations used the savings to boost share prices and executive pay, not workers pay. While evidence does indicate significant repurchase of shares, either from tax cuts or reparated revenues, relatively little was directed to paying workers bonuses, which had been announced by some firms. The lies they tell. (laughs) So Trump's once biggest uh, legislative achievement is now officially a failure for Americans, but a win for big corporations and CEOs and the rich. And it will cost the Americans around $1.9 trillion. So I just want to know to the Republicans out there, do you still believe in trickle-down economics? Are you really voting in your best interest? Did you really see a benefit from this tax? And if you did, I just want to know who your accountant is so that I can fix my situation. (laughs) So we know that a lot of the Republican vote is not based on their best interest. It's based on their ideals for what they believe in. Right? You have a lot of people in rural areas of America who are voting for things that do not apply or support their situation in any way shape or form (laughs) because they really not trying to hear what the other side has to say even though the other side may be speaking more to what they will actually help them move forward they're not trying to play that that ball game so you know will this even make a difference I don't even know. I I don't think so, because I think people will vote for Trump just to vote for Trump, because that's what they want. They want what he has sold them, not the truth of what they're living in, which is why alternative facts still exist. 
there was um, an article or uh, something that came out the other day that talked about how Trump's tweets no longer have the same impact that they once did. But to his base, they still doing the same thing. Like I don't that none of that's changing. You're not going to see the needle move that much. But that's why, again, going back to 2020, like showing up, making sure that you're a part because it plays a huge role. And if you understand how the party lines sort of shape out, and not saying that you have to be a Republican, right? Because there's a whole idea of also being, not being Democrat. There's also the idea of playing on the other side of the aisle too. So then that way, black people aren't treated as a monolith, right? But you have to understand that because of our population size and then because of how much we vote democratically, we are a huge part of making Democrats win. So they, we need to make sure that our interests are at the table and are being discussed properly and not just glazed over with the, yeah, I supported Martin Luther King. Right. What have you done for me lately? Look, it's messed up, Trump. But even though Trump is horrible, I have been convinced that Mike Pence is just a child of Lucifer. Um, going <laughs> Going to the abortion laws, in March of 2016, then Governor Mike Pence signed an abortion law that said the state can prohibit abortion that is motivated solely by race, sex, or disability. Don't even know what that means. Just, I don't get it. And requires clinics to bury or cremate fetal remains. The law was blocked from going into effect last year, but by the seventh U.S. Court, uh, Circuit Court of Appeals, yesterday the Supreme Court said that the provision of the law, which said the state could prohibit abortions motivated solely by race, sex, or disability, should remain blocked. The court did, however, allow a part of the law that requires clinics to bury or cremate fetal remains to take effect. Just think about what Pence is doing. The fact that the Supreme Court refused to take up the more controversial portion of the law suggests that they are not ready, hopefully they are not ready, and will not be interested in re-reviewing the court's primary abortion precedents of Roe versus Wade and the Casey versus Planned Parenthood. There will be many more opportunities for the Supreme Court to alter the current precedents on abortion as much as more recent laws make their way into the federal court. So we got to stay tuned. Any comments for that, Toya? Right. So <laughs> I just want I just want men to stay out of my our collective private parts. Like, please stop making laws and putting things into place that have anything to do with something that is not in your body. Like, stop it. Stop it already. I know that there's been content that's been circulating around the internet that talks about until a man can sit there and carry a child, he should have no place to sit there and say anything about a woman's choice. I'm pro-choice because at the end of the day, there's a, and I know that there was a photo exhibit that was done that had the stories of different women who have had abortions. And you'd be surprised at the women who, it wasn't just poor women, it wasn't just black women, it wasn't just poor white women. It's, it, travels the entire gamut of what womanhood looks like. So you cannot sit there and say 
that this person, yes, this person, no, or base it on whatever arbitrary sort of rules you want to put into place based on what you think makes sense. Like, who are you, number one? Number two, like, that's not your place. I just want people to stop it. I don't know. This abortion thing is it's getting out of control. And I know Missouri is about to be the first state to almost have no abortion clinics. I think they're closing like their last one or something like that. So while we were talking about Georgia and Netflix quitting or kicking out Georgia, right? Let's talk about Missouri a little bit and what's happening there. You know, we need to sort of have a sense of what's going on. And while you don't really hear a lot about that, you don't necessarily hear a lot of women in that state necessarily speaking out. And maybe that's just because it's it's ringing very loud in Georgia and Alabama. Um, but across the nation, we need to be paying attention. I, I'm, I'm just exhausted with the Republican Party right now, a lot of decisions and a lot of choices that are being made to me just don't make sense. I, I, there's no other way for me to say it. It's just not making sense. So um, the art of war on immigration. So a real brief, because we don't have the visuals to put in with this, but street artist JR installs massive face of child on Mexican side of US border wall. At its core, JR's work is about faces and how if we look at another one without prejudice, the world will just be a better place. Um, just as a reminder of why this is even important to us, because Chris Cuomo went, he was he really was passionate and was almost in tears last week on his show. Um, Girl 10 is the sixth child to die after in the U.S. Uh, border detention center. We have children. I, I don't care what your political differences may be. We're talking about the lives of innocent children that are not making these decisions that may be decisions by their parents are not in politics to make them become refugees or to go through the pain and suffering they're going through. We are talking about children losing their lives because voting's are Americans or people in general are just not an emergency. And that's just going to be the segue into this next topic. Um, Quickly to state, two Republicans blocked the relief aid bill, which the House on Friday failed to pass a Senate passed bill, by the way, for those out there in Bay County and Panama City that still try to argue the stupidity of your mouth. The Senate is Republican ran. The House is Democratic ran. Let's just get that clear. But the $19 billion bill providing disaster aid and funding parts of the United States hit by hurricanes, flooding, and earthquakes and wildfires after another Republican lawmaker objected. These lawmakers, which you should look up and call them, even if it's not your state, county, or district, which would be Representative uh, Chip Roy and Representative Thomas Massey. They're blocking a aid to not just... I, don't, I mean, it's just to prove a point. You're talking about the lives of humans. You have Ohio just got destroyed. So you have two situations that are nowhere close to being fixed from natural disasters. You're already into your third one, and you're stopping bills from helping these people? In most of these places, which has been proven, mostly the Democratic-controlled locations are rich and have more wealth. Most of the poorest places are Republican-based, they're red. What are, you, what are you guys doing? I mean, Texas has agreed to stop an investigations on non-citizen voters as a part of a settlement agreement reached with several civil rights groups in April. 
it is 2019 and we're still going through voter suppression. I mean, the Republicans, by the way, they were trying to put away $250 million to fight against what Russia just did to us. And the Republicans have argued it is too soon. Notice this is just Republicans making this argument. It is too soon to allocate new money for the following year and want to see how states use the $380 million already set aside for election security efforts. You're right. It is too soon to probably allocate that much more money. It's not too soon for y'all to impeach Trump and get him out of office. That is not too soon for. That's long overdue. Or better yet, just say the president and sit him down and say he needs to admit what Putin and his agents have done and quit siding with them and praising this man on national and international TV. We're not asking for a lot. I'm just tired. <laughs> the sign of exhaustion. So real quick on local news. We're not going to dive into it, but the question is Ultra and Miami Beach. Is this a match made in heaven or is this a match to misleading concepts? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you trying to say it's another fire festival on the way? <laughs> listen, I, I don't know too much about Listen, Ultra, it's interesting, right? Because Ultra used to be right there on Biscayne Boulevard, right in the heart of downtown. And even still, the truth about what happened at Ultra was not as widely publicized as what happened during Miami Urban Beach Week. Once you open up the truth, Toya, tell us the truth. <laughs> so, so who knows, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Tell us the truth. <laughs> Let's talk about the drug overdoses. Let's talk right. about the deaths that are hit. Have y'all, right. did y'all ever watch Bad Boys 2? And do y'all remember in the opening scene when they were doing the drugs and doing the ecstasy and the guy died and when he died all they did was say throw him out take him to the back we can't have nobody dying in our club where do you think that came from urban weekend <laughs> right nope womp womp look so the talks are in the works for moving ultra to miami beach now, although we're talking about moving Ultra to Miami Beach, they're talking about shutting down and we had a slowdown with Urban Beach Weekend. The mayor of Miami Beach was happy that the Hennessy and Waffle event didn't make it because he said he does not want outside promoters coming in during impact weekends to make their money in other words one wants you to come here when we know it's going to be hot and you take your money and go because you don't really care about the uncontrolled crowds and the amount of drugs and the sufficing of the things that happen during Stop those times but y'all want ultra <laughs> to go to miami beach oh the lies they tell to cover up what they mean so so we wine and food festival that's that's internal that's that's not like a traveling sort of something. Look, I don't know. I'm just asking. We just want to know. That's huge. <laughs> so that whole team is local. That's what you're saying. They don't. They not coming from no place else. Mayor Dan Gelber, we would like to get you on the show so you can justify exactly what you meant by that. Or could you just show us where all these other large events that have high impact? Maybe you can just sit us down and explain to us how these outside 
promotional groups are not the same as the outside promotional groups during Memorial Day weekend. Maybe we should just do that. I mean, I don't get it. And I'm sorry, guys. We It's just it's so much. It's just so much. So I think, because we've held you guys for clearly over an hour, let's just do In These Streets and Today's Ignorance. And some of these topics we'll just have to carry over because we got to talk about soccer. We... <laughs> We still got to talk about Brown versus the Board of Education in 2019. We got so much. And those topics can. They're not as pressing. But let's go ahead with In These Streets. So In These Streets, and it's going to be quick. Don't ask millennials what time it is because they probably can't read a clock. So um, this week, Jimmy Kimmel Live did a segment where he stopped millennials on the street and asked them if they could read a clock. You know, the one with the hour and the minute hand <laughs> and they couldn't so yes of course most of us are walking around with a phone or an apple watch or something with digital time on it but what happened to fundamentals right what happened to just doing stuff that wasn't so tech reliant you know they, they took teaching kids how to write in cursive out of schools now they're obviously not teaching kids how to read a clock anymore and I get it, yes, things are progressing, we're evolving, and certain things that we may have done before aren't really relevant anymore, but people still making watches. Last time I checked, Rolex wasn't out of business. Swatch Watch just did a resurgence. They got a store up in Dayland Mall. I mean, watches are still a thing, and they still have a hour and a minute hand. So people just gonna be wearing it on any wrist for candy. Like, oh, check this out. Look, I got a watch on, bling, bling. But don't ask me what time it is. <laughs> so then that means that watches don't need to have batteries anymore. You don't need to put them on a winder clock thing because they're not really used to tell time. They're just for your wrist. My point is that in these streets, we need to still be teaching kids fundamentals. <laughs> like, that is absolutely insane. And what's funny is that last week, I was literally thinking to myself, and I was mentioning it, I, had, I was gonna mention it to Kevin too. I was like, we need to buy a clock <laughs> so we could teach Takari how to read a clock and like start telling time. But maybe not, <laughs> because he's younger than millennials, obviously, and they can't tell time. I just don't know. I just think that we just need to still have basic skills, like telling time. <laughs> I don't I don't know, but that's in these streets, y'all. That's crazy. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, no. Right. Oh, let me pull out my phone. What is the shorthand and the longhand really stand right. for? Oh, what's that real fast one that keep going around? <sighs> wow. <laughs> so, so... Some quick shout outs. Uh, shout out to Joshua Beckford, the 12 year old genius. Joshua Beckford is a 12 year old boy who was diagnosed with high function of autism and has been named one of the most intelligent children in the world. And he is the youngest person to study at Oxford University. And of course, that is black boy magic. Yes. Gonna be like Takari. Takari gonna be the next one, 12 years old. At. <laughs> Listen, we working on it. Gotta be somewhere. Um, Queen of Petty, just wanna give a shout out to the Bucks owner's daughter who wore a Pusha T shirt during the Bucks versus Raptors series. Pusha T, Pusha T had a little beef with Drake. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for her because this Thursday, the Raptors will be playing in the NBA Finals, but that was, <laughs> that was a petty good. move, ma'am. That was good. We noticed that, we saw that. Um, and for my closeout for today's ignorance, is, like Toya said, today's ignorance is gonna be kind of brief, but today's ignorance is a special shout out to diversity inclusion people of tech companies. I'm about to post 
a small link right now. And I want you guys to go click on that link. I at least want two people to click on that link. And if you see it says, as I posted and it gives a little preview, this course will prepare students to interview for software engineering and related internships and full-time positions, dot, dot, dot. So let me just make this clear. The CS9 problem solving for the CS technical interview at Stanford is a course that will prepare students to interview for software engineering and related internships and full-time positions in the industry. Drawn on multiple sources of actual interview questions, multiple sources of actual interview questions, students will learn in key problem solving strategies specific to the technical code and interview. Students will be encouraged to synthesize information they have learned across different courses in the major in the major emphasis will be on the oral and combination of written oral mod modes of communication common in coding interviews but which are on unfamiliar settings of for problem solving for many students let me tell you what this sounds like and what it equates to you ever went to play I'm going to go back old school tech mobile and somebody was using the cheat code on Bo Jackson and you just couldn't win. Welcome to the cheat code of technology. Stanford has made a course for their students to pretty much have a cheat code on how to interview with the large tech companies in the valley. What are you guys really interviewing for? if one of your main recruiters has the cheat codes to help their students get another leg up on an industry where you're talking about diversity inclusion. Are you teaching or have you passed this curriculum on to HBCUs so that when they interview, just like your standardized testing, there's not a basis of bias to where our students and our youth are not automatically at a disadvantage because they did not have the cheat code of exactly how you were gonna interview them to the point that they could reiterate questions and answers that come from your interviews. You can't tell somebody you want them to win when you're giving the opponents the plays and the cheat codes. Y'all might as well be the Patriots. This is becoming, the industry is slowing down. There's not a lot of innovation left. There's a lot of repurposing, but the industry, startups, a lot of stuff is slowing down. Data, computer engineering, it's not gonna be a lot of startups versus the actual engineering, the hard skills that we need to keep these companies sustained as they grow, cybersecurity. But how? Are you giving someone the cheat codes for the interviews when you're one of the highest recruited and you expect there to be any form of inclusion with black and brown communities? Now we didn't get into it, but if we start talking about board versus brown of education, which would be one of my quick points that I'll bring up from that conversation that was missed, but the average white student attends schools that are 69% white. 
the average Hispanic student attends schools that are 55% Hispanic or that have a 66% of mix of black and Hispanics. The average black student attends schools that are 47% black or that have a 67% of black and Hispanic. Asian American students on average attend schools that are only 24% Asian American. So we're having an uptick of segregation of education. And now we have an uptick of cheat codes of how to even get people into these higher positions once they've earned their degrees. I just wanna report from these diversity inclusion officers of what they're actually doing. And I wanna know what these interviews, what happened to blind interviews? What about just pure, cause we already know a lot of coders are socially awkward and don't have the best social skills, but now you're just gonna pass out cheat codes? I mean, sounds a lot what just happened with USC and people paying for their children way to get into school. I'm not on crew, but I did actually row the boat when I was on that Creek Memorial Day weekend in Orlando. Y'all don't want us to win. It's just like Wrangler on my booty. If Billy Ray Cyrus had said that and Little Nas X was never in that song, nobody's complaining about Wrangler. Matter of fact, the sales have skyrocketed and everybody's praising Wrangler for a great collaboration with Billy Ray Cyrus calling a spade a spade if we can't stop the racism there will be no inclusion and all we will have is diversity with more separation just as like brown versus board of education and granted maybe that's what we need maybe the inclusion is weakening some of us because we come too dependent maybe we need the separation to rebuild maybe we do need black wall street back maybe we need rosewood back But this hurts. And I gave you guys, I mean, everybody that's watching, it's the last comment that's going to be made by Digital Grass Innovation and Technology. The link is there for you to see the course. By the way, the students get no credits for the course. So we know the cheat code isn't teaching them anything educational. So it's not like they're learning something. They're being coached on how to get hired. Just stop. Stop using the words DNI. Just call it patch up work for the racism that exists in our company. That's what I want it to be called. Just call it patch up work. And just leave it at that. But don't take away the value of what diversity and inclusion is actually supposed to mean. And that's for today's ignorance. That's Mike. And that's Toya. And, and this, this is, is Tech Beats and Bites. Bites.